Well, we're really blessed this morning to have Greg Moore minister. I've known him and his wife Janice for, I don't even know, 20 or 30 years. I've been to their church. He pastored a church in Decatur, Texas for how many years? 24 years. And um, he's been in the ministry longer than that. Started out in Houston, I think, didn't you? And but anyway, it's just a powerful church. I got to see the fruit of his ministry, and I can tell more about a person by looking at their fruit than I can by listening to them. Anybody can come up with a good message every once in a while, but he had good fruit. And uh, anyway, we are <coughs> really blessed to have him helping run our world outreach now, and he also ministers in our Bible college and is uh, co-directing the uh, business school in our Bible college now. And Greg is just a tremendous blessing. What an honor it is to have him on staff with us now. So Greg is going to minister to us this morning. Greg Moore. Well, we just got a taste of the manifold grace of God, didn't we? (laughs) That was awesome. Praise God. Well, how many of you guys have enjoyed this week? Have you received from the Lord? Amen. Um, you know, what, what goes on here is every, is every day, five days a week here at CBC. It's awesome. And you may not know specifically what you're called to do in life. And I want to tell you what CBC will do for you. It'll cause a laser-sharp focus to be developed in what you're called to do. The Bible talks about uh, the diligent will be made uh, prospered and rich or successful. Diligence isn't working hard. Diligence is having uh, focused energy and, fo- and focused effort. And what, what, you, what you'll learn here at CBC or at any of our campuses all over the United States, we've got campuses in, uh, in Dallas, in Atlanta, Jacksonville, Orlando, I'm going to miss some probably, Phoenix, Chicago, uh, did, I say, did I say Atlanta, uh, Plymouth, Gardner, uh, what am I, who am, uh, Kansas, Kansas City, in Indiana. So, I mean, all, all over. And so, listen, the, the options are, are great, and uh, you, you, will never, you will never regret preparing for what God's called you to do. Preparation time is never wasted time. I know I was in Bible school uh, a few moons ago, but uh, CBC wasn't around then. But I was praying that the Lord wouldn't return uh, before I graduated. Just a little selfish prayer. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and the Lord spoke to me real clear in the midst of my selfish and unbelief, he, he, said, he said, son, he said, if I come while you're preparing for what I've called you to do, you get credit for everything I've called you to do. Is that awesome? So preparation time is never wasted time. Amen. So I want to encourage you to come to one of the schools or we've got options online as they shared uh, online correspondence, it's great. I want to give, give away a couple of my healing books. This is the best healing book I've ever written. It's the only one, too, but, you know. <laughs> but uh, just, just chapter 2 that says Jesus took it for us is where I found a lot of people miss it. Uh, they treat healing, prayer for healing, like they're coming to a bank officer for an unsecured loan. And a lot of people do that. They're just kind of wishing and hoping. And, but look, guys, you didn't. how many of you ever led someone to the Lord? Praise God. Did you, look, when, uh, when, when, you, when you brought them to Jesus, did you have any doubt that forgiveness would, would be uh, theirs if they just came and opened their hearts to the Lord? No, why? Because it's on deposit in, in all of our accounts, spiritual accounts. So healing is too. It's in the atonement. And you don't have, man, healing's on the pot. You don't have to beg God. He took it for us, and He placed it in our spiritual account. And so just like when you come for forgiveness of sins, remember, remember He told the, uh, the, the guy that was uh, 
Uh, the Pharisees, when they were saying, you know, how, how can you forgive sins? You know, how, how, who are you to say you can forgive sins? And, and, uh, and then Jesus said, which ones, whether, whether it's easier to say your, uh, your sins be forgiven you or rise up and walk? Which one's easier, guys? Neither one. I said, neither one. You know why? Because the same sacrifice that provided forgiveness of sins provided healing, and we receive it the same way. It's on deposit in your account. So I want to give this to a couple guys, if you guys would come and, all right, praise God. Amen. All right. Um, Why don't you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15. And then I have one little funny. Is that okay? Now, you know, when I teach here in the school, I teach several courses. And, and uh, I can't even get to teach because they're wanting, they're wanting my jokes. So, uh, where's your joke, Greg? <laughs> All right. So this is about a, a, you may have heard this before. This is about a Minneapolis couple. This really happened. They decided to go to Florida to thaw out during a particularly icy winter. They planned to stay at the same hotel where they spent their honeymoon 20 years earlier. Because of hectic schedules, it was difficult to coordinate their, their travel schedule, so the husband left Minneapolis uh, early, flew, flew to Florida on Thursday, his wife fly, flying down the following day. So the husband checked into his hotel. There was a computer in his room. And uh, so he decided to send an email to his wife. However, he accidentally left out one letter in her email address, and without realizing his error, he sent the email. Meanwhile, somewhere in Houston, a widow had just returned from her home from her husband's funeral. He was a minister who was called home to glory following, following a heart attack. So the widow decided to check her email, expecting messages from relatives and friends, and after reading the first message, she screamed and fainted. The widow's son rushed into the room, found his mother on the floor, and saw the computer screen which read, To my loving wife, subject, I've arrived. (laughs) Date October 16th, 2005. I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now. And you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. (laughs) I've just arrived and have been checked in. I've seen that everything's been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. (laughs) Looking forward to seeing you then. (laughs) Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. P.S. Sure is hot down here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Tell you one thing that happens here in these in in these meetings and Andrews ministers conferences. Uh, here at the Bible School, is kingdom connections take place. And um, where, where, you know, God opens doors for us uh, for future ministry and uh, all kinds of opportunities happen. So, um, and it's just awesome. I, I appreciate, uh, appreciate Andrew and his ministry. Uh, tell you, we, we, my wife and I, um, several years ago, uh, went through and invo- experienced an involuntary church plant, otherwise known as a church split. <laughs> we had gone through a $9 million lawsuit that was just a frivolous lawsuit over a counseling deal and um, uh, just trying to help people. And so out of that arose a church, we had a church split. And my worship leader took a third of my congregation in a town of about 6,000 and uh, people that you'd sold your life, you know, poured your life into when you meet them at Walmart wouldn't even say hi anymore, you know. And, and uh, so I was complaining one day, and, 
And uh, Lord said, I don't worry about son. My worship leader took a third of my congregation too. <laughs> You're in good. <laughs> You're in good company. But um, you know, we had been wounded in the house of our friends, and so we we came uh, to the ministers' conference in 1994. And the thing I appreciate about Andrew's ministry and, and just he and Jamie personally is they, is they treat you like you're kings. We pastored, you know, I mean, it was a good, it was a large church in our area, but I mean, you know, we had 6,000 people in our town, about 70,000 people in our, we had about, in our area, we had about 300 people in our church. Well, I mean, there'd be people pastoring 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 people, and Andrew treat us like we're the same. And I'm telling minister, I'm telling you, talk about minister healing, and that's what that's that's what we what God wants us to do: put value on others. Amen. And so we've been he, we've been healed and, and and set free as well as the message. It's just it's just awesome. And um, so we're we're glad to be a part of this ministry, and and I know I know you are too. So uh, let, let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 15, and I've got a word. From the Lord for you this morning. Uh, look at verse 1. We'll read a few verses. <clears throat> what are the first three words? What does the first three words say? All right, we're, we're going to come back to that. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer, of Damascus. And then Abram said, Look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside. Everybody say, Brought him outside. <clears throat> Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. And he accounted it to him for righteousness. I want to talk to you this morning about when the promise hasn't happened yet. When the promise hasn't happened yet. I believe that 2012 and then the season beyond 2012 is a, is a time of resurrection and a time of fulfillment and manifestation of those things that God's promised in, in years gone by. But, but there, there are times... When, when God speaks a promise, breathes it in your heart, He speak, gives you a rhema word, and that time, from the time that he, you, you've conceived it, but then how many of you know you don't give birth to it right away? I mean, even natural uh, pregnancy is nine months. And so there's a time from the time that God speaks the promise until it happens. And, and here, with Abram, at this time, it had been somewhere between 10 and 15 years. And... Um, uh, in fact, look, let's look at the promise in chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord God had said to Abram. So notice the context here is he already, he'd already spoken it to him. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land uh, that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curses you. And in, in, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now how many of you know you're the seed of Abraham? Amen. If you're in Christ, you're, you're Abraham's seed. Well, Abram, this was the initial promise that, that Genesis 15, he's, he's elaborating. And, and the context there is this conversation in Genesis 15 took place after, after a series of events, after these things, after these things. And when God speaks a promise to you, then, then there comes a series of events, and many, of them, many times try to get you uh, distracted, try to get you off of the promise of God. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, when it hasn't happened yet, or, or just time that's passed. But let's look at some of those things. And see if you can identify with any of them. This is our great father of faith, Abraham. All right? Look at chapter 11, verse uh, 27. This is a genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, 
Haran. Haran begot uh, Lot, and Haran died before his father, Terah, in the, in the native land and Ur of the Chaldeans. <clears throat> now, where, where, where did God call Abraham or Abram out of? Ur of the Chaldees, remember that. <clears throat> then Abram and Nahar took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahar's wife, Melchah, and so on. And now look at verse, uh, look at verse 31. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife. And they went out with him from Ur the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan. Now here's... Here's where they were called out from Ur, the Chaldees, and then their promised land was Canaan. All right? And they came to where? They came to Haran, and they what? That's what God called Abram to do, wasn't it? Huh? Was that what he called Abram to do? And he dwelt there, so the days of Terah Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now look, then look at verse 4 of chapter 12. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from where? He wasn't 75 years old when he departed from Ur of the Chaldees. Part of the promise was get out of your land and, and away from your family and come to the land which I'm showing you. And our great father of faith, Abram stopped two-thirds of the way. He stopped short of the promise, and he dwelt there long enough to gather possessions and servants. We don't know how long, but that, you know, you'd figure, and, and, and stuff and cash, and, you know, it'd probably take him two, three years to do that, maybe five. So here God, God called him out, and he stops two-thirds of the way. Incomplete obedience. Stopping short of the promise. After these things. And some of those things are stopping short. Incomplete obedience. Haven't made it all the way. And then then look at this. Then, verse, uh, let's see what, verse 5. Then Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot and all their possessions that they had gathered you know, Haran was about 800 miles from Ur the Chaldees, and it was another 450 miles to Canaan. And so then they came, finally, they, they, they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So verse 5, they came to the land of Canaan. So they're there. And uh, then verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to, to your descendants I will give this land. There he built an altar to the Lord, and he appeared to him, and then he moved from there and went to Bethel. So, so here it is, you know, he, he finally obeys. He finally makes it. And, and then God visits him, confirms, this is the place. This is what I called you to. Then what did he do? Look at verse 9. So Abram journeyed, going on still. Everybody say, going on still. Now, he's in the land. He's got a visitation from God. And then he goes on still. And where does he go? He goes south, beyond beyond the the border of what God called him to do, boundary of what God called him to do. First of all, the father of our faith stops two-thirds of the way in complete obedience (laughs) for several years. Then... You know, he, he comes to the land of promise, has a visitation from God. It's like Andrew said last night, man, I mean, man, I mean God shows up. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then he goes on still. He goes on beyond. That's the father of our faith. Gives me hope. <laughs> Amen. Then... I'm not going to read all the verses. You know the story. When he goes to Egypt, now this great man of faith, <laughs> he, lays his, he lays his wife's body on the line to save his neck. He didn't hear Jim Hurdle's message yesterday <laughs> afternoon about, about sacrificing for your family. No, man, he's saying, look, honey, you're going to sacrifice for me, darling. 
I've, I, just, I just feel a call from the Lord. <laughs> You're going to sacrifice for me. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm feeling better about myself all the time. He's a father of our faith. He had a promise from God. And then, first of all, he stops short. Second of all, he goes too far. Next thing, he, he lays his family on the line, save his own neck. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then, then he goes, he experiences, look at verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 7. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And uh, verse 8, so Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brethren. Isn't the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If, if you take the left, then I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll take the left. And Lot, Lot lifted up his eyes, saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. And um, then look at verse 11. Then Lot what? <clears throat> Lot chose for himself. The New King James says, Lot chose for himself. Say that with me. Lot chose for himself. Now, this isn't part of my message, but, it, but it'll, it'll preach. This is good. When, whenever we make a decision for financial gain over relationship, the next step is a, a step of, de- of deterioration where, where the next thing you see is he pitched his tent towards Sodom. When, whenever, when, whenever you see and hear of a, of a minister or, or just a man of God fall morally, most times if you go back in time, you'll find there's been a financial compromise somewhere. And how many of you, how many of you want, want to defeat the love of money in your life every time? You want to defeat, how many of you want to knock it in the head every time? If you want to overcome the love of money, not money, I've been, like John Osteen said, I've been rich, I've been poor, rich is better. I'll take that. But if you want to overcome the love of money, whenever there's a conflict between, between a relationship and financial gain, Choose the relationship over the financial gain, and you will defeat the love of money every time. What, what should Lot have done? Oh, no, Father Abraham, listen, it, I wouldn't be where I am today without you. You choose, and you tell me, I'll go wherever you want me to go. But Lot chose for himself. The next thing it says, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. So some of these things that Abram went through, before he had this encounter with God is he stopped short then he went too far and then he then he, he he wasn't faithful with his own family now he's experiencing relational stress how many of you know whenever there's a conflict in a close relationship it, 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 there's a drain off it, 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 there is and then there's the the betrayal that he that he felt but you know what I, I mean God's going to take care of me but but you know, he chose uh, financial gain over, over relationship. And, you know, I don't care how, you know, strong a man of God you are, that hurts. And we have to get past those wounds. Um, let, me, let, me, let me say this and help someone here today. Um, someone, someone here is, is stuck in the bondage of pornography. It's been mentioned several times in this meeting. And, and you're, you're in despair. You don't know how to get out. I mean, one thing, you listen to Andrew's message last night, awake to righteousness and sin not. But let me tell you something that will help you. The problem is not your problem. The pro- you think that you're mired in that, that you're, you know, in bondage to lust and all that. The problem is not your problem. The problem is you're using that to medicate a wound that's in your soul. The problem is the wound that's in your soul that you haven't let God heal. Or that you haven't focused enough on the righteousness of God in Christ to let your identity in Christ manifest and overcome that and the problem is not the fact that you're mired in that 
and, and that, you know, you're just some, you know, old scumbag that's just, you know, just got lust. You're just overcome with lust, though that certainly is involved. But the problem is, is that's an addiction that you're trying to medicate a wound because uh, Proverbs 7.26 says the adulteress or the seductress cast down many wounded. It didn't say she wounded many. It said, it said the, the category of people that are vulnerable to that kind of thing are the wounded. And the reason why you're caught up in all that is because that's an addiction that you're trying to, in, in the natural, you're try, just like substance, just like any kind of you know, alcohol or drugs. It's just you're medicating a wound. And if you'll bring that wound to the Lord and then and, and, and develop relationship with other men, focus on who you are in Christ, and then develop intimacy with your wife and intimacy with her. You guys know what that is, don't you? Do you? You know, you know what it took to win her. It's, it's, here, hand me my phone here. It's turning this and your iPad and your, here, hand, bring your iPad, come on. Come on. It's, it's when you're with her, you turn this off. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> it, when you're with her, what she needs is connection. Amen? You turn this stuff off and you focus on her and you talk intelligently. Instead of just, huh? Yeah. Well, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then look, stop all this garbage of and, and all this all this male chauvinistic, you know, uh, stuff of saying, you know what? All she wants to do is go shop. Why don't you go with her? I said, why don't you go with her? And act like you want to be with her. Oh man, that wouldn't be cool. Yeah, that'd be very cool. You connect with her. The Bible talks about uh, what what God has joined together, let let no man separate. You know what that means? Allow no space between. And that's your responsibility, man of God. That's your responsibility. And you know what? The problem is we allow too much space in in between our relationships. And see, part of the problem, part of the problem of the struggle you're having is the fact that you're not you're not doing what you need to do that you did to win her, to connect with her, so the intimacy is there, so that wound is not there, because God gave her to you to to minister healing and acceptance and love, and, and where you're not walking. Uh, walking around the, the walking wounded. Amen? And I'm speaking to, today, I'm speaking healing and deliverance and health over you, man of God. Re- release from the bondage of that stuff. You don't, have to, you don't have to be bound by that anymore. Today you walk free from that. Amen? I said today you walk free from that. That if you've been wounded in the house of your friends like I I was, then look, God's got other friends that will help heal, and one is your wife. And you stop alienating her and acting like, you know, shopping is a curse. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) But if that's where she wants to be, don't let nothing separate. Good preaching, Pastor Greg. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm speaking healing over you, man of God. I'm, men of God, I'm speaking health over you in Jesus' name and grace to steward your relationship with your marriage so that the, so that the enemy doesn't have a place to exploit you and wound you. So the seductress doesn't have place to come in and rule your life. You're not just an old, 
you know, guy that's just all carnal and, you know, full of lust. No, you're just a man of God that's been wounded at times in the house of his friend, and you need to get healed, and you need to put, you need to put super glue back into your marriage relationship. Amen. And if there's, and we need other men in our lives too, by the way, to speak into our lives. So I'm, how many of you receive that? I'm speaking to you right now in Jesus' name. Freedom and liberty. Hallelujah. Well, that wasn't part of my notes, but it was good stuff. So, so Abram went through that. And whenever you go through that kind of thing, it's, it's a, there's a drain off. Then, um, then we see, and we're not going to look at it all, I mean, uh, just for sake of time. Remember, then, then Lot got into trouble. And he had to go, and then Abram had to go take 300 men and go into warfare and battle. Any of you ever had any battle in your life? On the job? Maybe at home? You know, your home ought to be the harbor from the storm, not the storm. <clears throat> but then he, he just went through battle. He just went, he just went through, you know, stuff. Then, then it was just then the amount of time that had passed since the promise had been made were about 10 to 15 years at this time. So after, so after these things, after failing to obey completely, after failing to trust God for His provision when there was fam- famine in the land, He went on still, past the land of promise. After irresponsibility with His wife, laying her body on the line to save His neck. After disappointment because of Lot's disloyalty. After battle, with, with the, when, they, when they took Lot captive. After the disappointment and the delay because of the time that had passed from the time that God promised, the possibility of the realization of the promise seemed to be very dim. When you go, when you go through these kinds of things, of personal failure, relational stress, emotional drain off, you know, turf over, over job situations at work or in ministry, it's difficult to see the possibility of what God once promised you coming to pass. Abram was tired. And he was weary through all the stuff that he would promised. I mean, through all the stuff that had happened. He was willing to accept God's promise being fulfilled through Eliezer instead of through him. I don't really think he was lodging a complaint to the Lord I think his complaint was against himself. I don't think the tenor of his, of his attitude, you know, was, you know, I know, Lord, you're wonderful and all this, but what have you done for me lately? I don't think that was his attitude. I think he was just saying, look, God, I trust you, and, and, I, and I love you, but after all these things, could it still happen through me? In other words, Eliezer, Lord, not me. He wasn't complaining. He didn't have disappointment in God. He had disappointment in himself. The problem's in the barrenness of my soul, not in the infertility of God's Word. I, don't, I think that's where it was. I, I, I'm, because you know what? I've been there. How many of you guys have been there? But God stopped him. And he said, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body, your loins. And the Lord brought him outside of his present circumstances. You know, you've got to let God get you outside of your present circumstances and lift up your eyes from the place where you are to see what promises he has for you. You know what, guys? That's what he's doing this week. Amen. He's brought you out so you, can, so you can lift up your eyes and see the promise again. You're looking at failure, barrenness, inadequacy, and a substitute for your promise. Do you see the stars, seed of of Abraham? So shall your seed be. My promise is to you. So stop exempting yourself because of all these things. Each of us, seed of Abraham, has received genuine promise from God. How many of you have a vision or a dream from God? Lift your hand. You've heard from God. The promise from God. But you've gone through some things. And you've gone through some time. And it's easy for all that to happen to drain off the faith and the hope that could ever happen again. And the enemy will try to convince us that it's no longer possible. 
Someone here has gone through a divorce. Someone else a bankruptcy. Someone else a failed business or ministry. I mean, you just stepped out, you tried to obey God, didn't work out. Jim liked the furniture store. As much as he knew, he was trying to follow God. And praise God for a wife that followed you. And then and, and didn't, and, and any, any wife that's watching over this or will get this later, you know, praise God for a wife that will allow her husband to dream and step out and fail and then not, you know, I'm just saying, send this to your wives, guys. Hallelujah. Let them see this. I'm just saying, the only thing you got to go shopping with her, so. Or, or you know, so you, you might have you gone, someone rejected you, or you might have fe- experienced death in your family, or some wound in the house of your friends, or just simply much time has lapsed from the time of the promise. Several years ago, well, it's now, now two and a half years ago, God spoke to me. I'd been pastoring in the same church for 24 years. I was just, I was ready to stay there. I mean, we're having great fruit and success. We planted two other churches, planted out sons and daughters. We were, man, we were having a great time. I was teaching in a Calvary Cathedral Bible school, and uh, Wendell used to direct that, that school. And, man, we were just enjoying life. And, and, but all of a sudden, I, I was praying, seeking God, and, and I felt like God spoke to me that he had superimposed you know, Andrew talks about taking the limits off, that he had imposed a limit, or I thought it was the devil at first, or maybe my flesh, or just me. But So I finally got the courage to pray and ask God, is this you? Because everything we tried to do to get in a building, and a new building, and, and all that didn't work, and so I was praying, seeking God, and God spoke to me. He said, son, he said, if, if, if I would have allowed you to be as successful as as you wanted to be in the place you are, you wouldn't be open to the new assignment I have for you. I said, wow. Then a guy that I'm in relationship with who is a prophet came to our church every year. Uh, and I mean, he called me up within an hour. He said, Greg, get ready. God's got a new assignment for you. <clears throat> now I'm on the board of this. I was on the board of this large African ministry. Long, long story short, they needed a CEO and I, after I talked to my wife about this, I talked to a few other people about this. I felt like God had a new assignment. I didn't know what it was. And, uh, and then when this opportunity came up in this ministry, they needed a CEO to direct the ministry. The president was uh, getting up in age, and he wanted to, within a year, was going to transition. And so we felt like it was God. I, I mean, I had a word from God. I had a promise. And now here it is. And man... I mean, we, we, we were seeing two billion people a year come to, come to Jesus. And I was going I, I to implement DE and help and take uh, Andrew's ministry and start Bible schools all over Africa. It was in, based in Tanzania. We were in seven different, seven different African nations. And so, man, we, I, man I, this, this is awesome. And so, man, we, were, we had increase financially, every way, partners. I came to Jim and he taught me how to minister to partners and man we've seen all kinds of success i just came back from africa well let me back up january 9th just a year ago i transitioned the church to a son in the faith who we'd raised up and and then we and then uh i'd been already been overseeing this ministry for six months at the time then then uh seven weeks later just got back from africa I walk into my office, the president walks in, said, I need to talk to you, and I uh, came in another room, and he said, uh, well, this just isn't working. <laughs> I said, really? I said, uh, well, now, he said, it's not a right fit. I said, wait, now, wait a minute, you prayed, you sought the Lord, we prayed, we sought the Lord. I mean, this is a Christian. And so... <laughs> I said, man, I wouldn't do this to my worst enemy. I, I, you could have got, you could have, if you're going to fire me, you could have done it seven weeks and one day ago. I'd still be pastor of my church. And so uh, he said, no, it's just not a right fit. I said, no, it's a right fit. 
And he said, well, we just don't need two heads of the same ministry. So the bottom line was he wasn't ready to, he, he took the success and, that we brought and he wasn't ready to, so, but I'm sucking wind. And I'm tempted to be sorely offended. You understand? I could have I called you up and got you offended for me. We could have we got a Holy Ghost posse. We could have done, I mean, I'm thinking about all these things, about suing, about all this stuff. I mean, I, mean, I can't go, you know, I, I didn't tell him this, but I said, I can't, in my mind, I can't go back to my church and take, and take the, that back unless I'm like you. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I just thought it. I didn't say it. And so I don't, what do I do? So I call my friends. I mean, I, call, I called uh, Andrew, and then he told me David heard about it, and David, David saw it's just classic case of an insecure leader that was jealous of someone doing a job better than you. You might as well take it as a compliment. I said, compliment? I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but the but the the deal was was that was that we uh, we could have gotten off, we could have gotten offended, we could have you know just got we could have just got all obsessed with what that person did to us. I finally one day said, you know, I, first of all, I said, I'm not I'm not doing anything right now. I'm going to pray, seek God. Bob Nichols is my pastor. He said, Oh, Greg, you just need to preach. So he had me. He said, I preached myself out of a lot of problems. <laughs> so he had me preach once a week in his church. Uh, every, how many of you know every, pa- every pastor needs a pastor? And Bob Nichols is my pastor. So, it, you know, and, but here's what I determined. Here's, here's the deal. Bottom line, God spoke to me. And no man, no devil, or no circumstance can stop that. He said he had a new assignment for me. So, you know, I shared with Andrew, shared with a few other folks. Well, you know, seven weeks later after that, I'm in, I'm in their office, and they're offering me this position. I, I had no clue that this, this wasn't even on my radar. But helping with world outreach, planting Bible schools all over the world, teaching here in the Bible school, you know, helping to oversee the, the school of, of, of business that just started up, I'm telling you, I'm having the time of my life. I mean, I'm in my new assignment. Hallelujah. My new assignment took a little detour. But when, you, when, when, you're, when the Word of God takes a detour, how I many of you know He doesn't always lead us by a straight line? If we'll, if we'll monitor our hearts... And, and guard our hearts from offense and just say, you know what? No man can stop me. No circumstances can stop me. No, no time can, or delay can stop the promise of God. If God spoke it, He's going to bring it to pass. Amen? You know, the, pro- the promise of God, many times, you know, it's like, it's like an advertisement for your next vacation. They show you all the pictures of the beautiful beaches, the great food, the scenic views from the balcony of your awesome room, all the rest and re- relaxation. My wife and I, when the, our church gave us a trip to Cancun, all-inclusive trip to Cancun, we went there, and it was great, it really was, but what they failed to show you in all those advertisements is the salespeople who hound you when you get there trying to sell you tickets to various activities or, or, or timeshares. The fact that you'll be so tired when you get there, you're going to sleep two days. <laughs> they don't show you the air conditioner in your room is going to break. The garden view is a view of two tall weeds with, in the older part of the town. They don't show you that. They don't show you your wife is going to fall and hurt her wrist on a wet Mexican tile floor. I mean, we had a great time in the end, but no matter how appealing the advertisement is and how sure the promise is from God, life still happens that tries to intrude into the fulfillment. And here's the deal. Let me sum it up. Seed of Abraham. How many of you are seed of Abraham here? 
when it looks like your seed won't multiply, when it looks like your promise won't happen because of all these things, that's how it looked to Abraham too. After these things that God knew better than Abraham, he took him outside, showed him the stars, and said, so shall your descendants be, not through Eliezer, through you. In other words, in so many words, here's what he's saying. The deal is still on. What I spoke to you will surely come to pass. What I birthed in you, it doesn't matter how long it's been. Doesn't matter who's intruded in. Doesn't matter if you didn't if you didn't obey perfectly. Doesn't matter if you went beyond. Doesn't matter if you messed up with your family. Doesn't matter if even you've experienced divorce. The promise of God is still on. And he believed in the Lord. I said he believed in the Lord. All he did for the fulfillment of this, he believed in the Lord. And God counted it to him for righteousness. And that is exactly his word to you today, man of God. That what he's birthed in you, even after all these things, even after all your failures, even after all your weaknesses, even after all your mistakes, even after all you going beyond or stopping short or experiencing betrayal. God's got one word for you today. The deal's still on. The deal's still on. I said the deal's still on. He spoke it to you, and he'll surely bring it to pass. Amen. 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 I said the deal's still on. The deal's still on. The deal is still on. After all these things, God's still going to bring it to pass. God's promise. He doesn't need perfection. He just needs agreement. <laughs> he doesn't need some, like Wendell says, some super duper, he just needs, be it unto me, Lord, according to your word, and you will yet bring it to pass through me. Amen? There's a lot of other things I could, I could preach, but you know the bottom line or teach along, the, but the bottom, you got it, right? We, here, here's all that's necessary. What God put in your heart. It's time to stand again in the, in, in the authority of that promise and say, Lord, the deal's still on. It's going to happen through me. You're going to do it yet through me. No matter how much time has lapsed, no matter what I've gone through, after all these things, you're going to do it through me. After the devil tried to take you out, after, after he tried to say, you know, it's, it's over. Hey, hey, it's not over. It's just begun. Amen? It's just begun. So if you're here today and you're saying, yeah, Greg, you know what? I, I know God loves me. And, um, you know, but there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on from the time I got that promise. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand again today in the authority of what God said. And I'm going to say, Lord, yet you can yet do it through me. The deal's still on. If that's you, just stand up right where you're at. Just stand up. Just stand up. Just stand up. Hallelujah. 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 Let's lift our hands and say, Lord, I thank you for the promise of God. Your word is sure. And no matter what's happened, no matter how much I've messed up, when I stopped short, when I, didn't, when I went beyond, when I wasn't faithful, when I've experienced betrayal and just warfare, and, and time that's passed since the promise. After all those things, your promise is still sure. The deal's still on. And I stand in the authority of that today. The deal's still on. Be it unto me according to your word. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Come on, praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now listen, guys. This is copyrighted material. You're right to copy. You, pre- you go preach it to someone else, encourage someone else, but before you're seated, you turn around and give somebody a high five and tell them the deal's still on. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. That is a super encouraging word. You know, the scripture says in Romans eleven twenty nine that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. God never takes back a call on your life. I don't care how much you mess it up. I liken it to this, that if any of you got those GPS systems that if you make a wrong turn, it'll say recalculating. I figured if a GPS can recalculate and get you back on track, God's at least as good as that. Amen. Amen. I don't care how far off track your life has been, God can recalculate and get you back. And he never changes his call on your life regardless of how how much you mess it up. But... You, it says in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The only thing that can stop God's plan for your life is you. It's not the devil. It's not what other people do. It's if you quit and give up. And if you'll get back into faith, I guarantee you, God will put you back on track. If, um, if Greg and Janice would have been discouraged by all of this and quit and give up, you know what? I, I don't know the dynamics of how all this worked, but God wouldn't have spoken to us. It wouldn't have worked. But they kept their heart right, and they, he was living what he was preaching, and because of it, it worked. And I don't know the theology of this, but I believe God got him out of his church so he could come to work for me. We had been praying for him for years. We just didn't know who it was. And, I mean, Wendell and I were getting frustrated about how are we going to find the person to help us and and uh, I wouldn't have ever thought of asking Greg to leave his church because it was such a successful church. I don't think he would have ever left his church to come to work for me. But we got him on the rebound, and it was God. So I don't know the theology of how that works, but I tell Greg all the time, I said, God did that to get you over here. Amen. Amen. Let's take a break here. We'll be back at uh, 1030, and we'll have praise and worship in our next session. You're dismissed. <laughs>